Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. I want to just talk to us. You can keep playing something there for us. Mood music. Helping me out. Uh, early in our ministry, you know, we were six months before I came home from um, the Vietnam conflict. Uh, Jesus changed my life. I was sitting in a bar, wasting my life, and Jesus came into that bar. I'm so glad. That Jesus, there's no bars, hello, that can stop Jesus. I know my mother prayed. I had family who prayed. I was raised. You should know better. You should know better. I think that's probably true with a lot of us. We should have known better. But we made bad decisions. Ended up in a bad situation. But Jesus came, and Jesus rescued us. Jesus changed my life. I'd met Linda, who, she was a, a good Baptist girl, really, in many ways, already a follower of Jesus. Just, you know, it's a journey. How many of you know we're not even all there yet? We're still on this journey. And she began to witness to me back then. There was no text. There was no internet. There were no emails. Hello? <laughs> she wrote me letters, and they had mail call. My, and every couple of days, we'd have a mail call, and I'd get a letter from Linda. And she would, in her letter, at the conclusion, she would say, just do this. Would you just right now, be, I'll keep you standing if I keep doing this. Would you just raise your hand right now? And regardless of where you are in your journey, in your walk with God, maybe you're just beginning. Maybe your faith has just been sparked. And you've started on this journey. And maybe you're a first-time guest here today wondering what this is all about. And all I can tell you is we are all still on this journey and we're living in some very turbulent times. Some things are going on in our world that we really don't understand. But we trust, we look to God for his unchanging hand. And would you right now just say, Jesus, I want to be used of you. I don't want my life to end up just a waste I want my life to matter I want my thoughts and my words I want my actions to be uh, to be what you would want them to be in Jesus name in Jesus name amen you can be seated in those letters Linda would send me at the end of each letter there would be a verse of scripture I thought it was a code I thought she was trying to tell me she loved me. I remember like one verse said, just stay close, brother. I'm 
I may say, hit it. Said, <laughs> I thought she was trying to say she loved me. And I, I, this verse, first verse I remember was Romans 3, 23. And I remember getting my Bible out. It was still in the box. My sister had given it to me. I didn't read the Bible. But I took that Bible out and I found Romans 3.23, you know, table contents. Found it over there and said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I said, I don't understand that. I don't see no love in that. And a few days later, another letter and another verse of scripture. And within, a, it was a few months time. What I know now, looking back on it all, is the power of God's word to work. It was her invitation for me to read the word that caused the word to begin to have an opportunity to work in my life. And then that night when Jesus walked in, see, he had it already had it planned. He was working long before I got there, arrived at that point. He was working, just like there's folks here today that God has already been working in your life. But there is a moment that you will come to where you will be challenged by the Spirit to respond and say yes to God and give your all. God is very patient. He's working where no one else can see, right? Even when I can't see it, he's still working. Even when I can't feel it, he's still working. His word is at work when others have given up on you. His word is at work if there's addictions in your life. His word is at work if you've been brokenhearted, if you have committed crimes, if you have problems in your spirit today. I want you to know God is at work. He knows right where you're at. And so here somehow we arrived, uh, I mean, I, that night I received the baptism of the Spirit. I went to pray. I didn't know how to pray in a sense. I mean, I'm sure that I remembered from prayers of my mother and times going to church. But when it's time for a call of God and you personally it's not, it's not like corporate prayer. It's not like you pray in my prayer for me. It's me and God, or in this case today, it might be you and God. Or last night, it might have been you and God, and that's why you're here today. And uh, he filled me with the Spirit. My, he changed my life in one night. He, uh, you know, I can't. I feel like I need to dwell on that a little bit. That he really, he has the power to change a life. I'm, I'm not talking, well, I'm not talking about, when I say this, I'm not speaking against any programs that are out there. But I am telling you, there's one that's bigger than all the programs. His name is Jesus. He... He changed my heart. See, believe it or not, they didn't shut down the bars when I got saved. And the guys who used to sell me the drugs, they still kept selling the drugs. But God changed something inside of me. I didn't want the bar no more. I didn't want the drugs anymore. 
Something new was happening inside of me. I became a convinced believer that there's nothing impossible with God. I said there's nothing impossible with God. There is no one. I, I know, I know. Sometimes when we're so up close and it's right there in your face, we think the situation is impossible. It looks like that person could never be saved. But I want you to know God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could possibly think or ask. He could do it. So, so when my wife and I first came, finally, I got back home. We got married 13 days later. And we were both these new converts. I love new converts. New converts are the craziest people in your church. That's why we need, we need them. We need more new converts all the time. That's why I'm on recruitment exercise here today. Is we need more new converts. We need people who are willing to lay their life down at the altar. And say, Jesus, would you become my life? But new converts will turn an old church into a new church. It'll, it puts fire in the worship. Hello. You know, when we went to D.C. and we began to experience, you know, these open doors with uh, some of the folks, you know, some were Buddhist and some were, many of them were heathens and some of them were Catholics and hello. I, I'm not trying to leave anybody out. They fit almost every category, but man, we began to have revival. We began, they, people began to come. And I remember when we first taught, they, they never heard the songs, you know, like what you think are really old songs, they thought were new songs. Like we could sing, there's power in the blood and they'd come next week and say, let's sing that new song. Yeah. Yeah. There's something refreshing about that. I think Jesus ought to be new to us every day. So, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. All right. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach for the next three hours. <laughs> hey, they don't, they have to call me more often so I don't preach three hours. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll do my best to condense it to two. So I'm, I've got some scriptures that they're going to put on the screen for me. Let's start with Deuteronomy 33.1. And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, and this next phrase is what I want you to pay most attention to. The man of God blessed the children of Israel before his death. Moses, the man of God. And then Genesis chapter uh, 15. Now, we're going to go back to another man. His name's Abram. Ultimately, you might recognize him as Abraham. But at this point, he's still going through a transformation. He's still in the process of being changed. So his name right now is Abram. Abram was not, he and his wife, Sarah, were not able to have children. They're, they were barren and and only until God uh, transformed them did their lives become fruitful. 
Now, see, that was like me. We had a term back in those days. We just got wasted. Hello? Well, I was living proof of a wasted life. Hello? Uh, any, anybody here know what I'm talking about? You know? All right. So, they said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And, and sister Ellen, if you could, one more verse, uh, Deuteronomy 31, verse 4. Now, I'm going to try and connect all these verses for you. But, and the Lord said, do unto them as he did to Sihon and to Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom you destroyed. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Now, there's a lot of missing links in those verses. But I'm going to try and connect them for you. I want to talk to us about, I want to talk to us. I want to preach. I pray the anointing shows up. So we do something really, hello, life-changing here. All right? Is that all right? Hello. See, I, if you just take the example of what I said about Abram. And if you're not a soul winner, all God has to do is add a little bit of himself to you, and you can be a soul winner. Yeah. Your life may be barren right now, but you just stay in the presence of God. You get close to God, and God can give you a promise, and he will fulfill it. Now, I read from Genesis, first of all, I, I want to talk to us about this, this thought, man of God, man, man of God. And then I also want to broaden it to speak about people of God. And um, I got all my notes, about, you know, about six pages of notes. I probably won't even look at them. <laughs> See, God is developing us. Even after we're born again, we are in a process of being developed. Now, I know this is probably not your normal. I listen to, your pastor is my favorite preacher. When he's, I watched him the other night over somewhere else in the world preaching, and I, I, he is my favorite preacher. So I don't expect, I'm not even trying to compete with him. You get what you get. That's me. All right? And I'm, I'm just going to talk to you. I want to talk to you, first of all, about what I have learned in 48 years of, of striving to be a man of God. My, that'll take a few days. Hello? Just, just trying to be a man of God. And then I want to talk about you, 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 the people of God. What does it mean to be the people of God? What does it mean to be a man of God? And, uh, and so I'm going to start with this man, Abram. 
It starts here, this, this, at least the illustration I want to use. It, we're not yet talking about the man of God. Did you know Abram was never called a man of God? Matter of fact, I was looking this up and found there are only 13 people in the Bible. 13 persons are called a man of God. That's all. You know, some of them you could think of. Moses, David, Elijah, Elisha, and then some others I never would have thought, but they're called men of God. And I came to the realization, man of God was not a title. Man of God was when God decided to use a man to accomplish his purpose. To be, to be called by God and equipped and anointed to fulfill uh, a specific purpose. Then God said, that is the man of God. That's a prepositional phrase. And it shows ownership. What it means is that man now belongs to God. That, that man belongs to God for this purpose. And you can't expect the man of God in your life to come and ask your opinion on the decisions he's supposed to make. He doesn't belong to you. He belongs to God. We got way too much hello in the world they almost seem like folks got to take a vote whether or not really the man of God can make a decision. Now, I'm sure that's not true here. Hello? But I'm telling you, when we're talking about God fulfilling his will, God has to have a man. It was the way God chose it. And God has to prepare and develop that man to uh, accomplish his will. And that man has to be able to hear from God. And he has to be able to talk to God. And God talk to him. And he has to become fearless in the eyes of the people. He has to be able to say, thus saith God, even if the people rise up against him. Now, I'm sure, you know, there are guests here today. I will say one of the, I, I'm not, and, and you know, I'm not real politically correct. So if I say something wrong, you just say, pray for that guy. All right. And you just pray for me because there's a good chance I will, you know, get out of line. But don't worry. I belong to God. And don't you worry. He'll straighten me out. Hello? <laughs> now, that's not an excuse to be dumb and say dumb things. Hello? I still got to try. I still got to try and be better at what I do. Uh, so I'm not here trying to offend anybody. But I'm going to tell you something. One of the troubles with our world is we got so many people with power that don't know how to handle it. Hello? I don't care what, who they are. I'm just telling you that what we need, we need a man of God. Hello? Now, I'll tell you a little story. The other day, my wife and I, we took a little walk in our neighborhood. And uh, we, take, we take that dog, you know, for a walk. That helps us exercise, too. But we, <laughs> we took that dog for a walk. And we're walking around the, the block there. And there saw this lady coming. She got two big dogs. And she coming down the road there. That, and all of a sudden, she says to us, how y'all doing? Now, to my knowledge, I've never met that lady before. 
My wife never met that lady before. And then she just right away says, how's your parish? Well, just let me translate for you. That means church. Hello? All right. I can tell you, for example, example, in the Episcopalian faith, that is a parish. In a Lutheran, hello? Right? It might be a parish. Or if you're from Louisiana, hello, it might be a parish. Hello? But what she was referring to was the church. I don't know how she even knew us. And, I, of course, I began to talk to her. Well, you know what? We traveled here, down here last Sunday. We had about 75 folks or so that drove an hour and a half, two hours, so we could have church. We could have church once a month. I'll just start weeping right here. And I'm thankful for the people that make that extra effort and sacrifice I never would have believed in America that we would come to this point, but here we are. And, uh, and you know, we do try. Fortunately, when they give me a microphone, I could take the mask off. Lord, I could hardly wait to get the microphone today. <laughs> anyway, we start talking to that lady, and, and finally she said to us, I start talking about, Faith, how it's going to be all right. I want to say that to somebody today. I don't know how, but it's going to be all right. I'm telling you, there's going to be a revival. Somebody's got to believe it. There's going to be a revival. People are going to get saved. The church is going to get better. Hello? And that lady, she's like, man. We need to be around people like you. I thought, yes, you do. She said, and then she said, we, she said, we need, we need a man. We actually, she said it this way. We need a savior. I thought, lady, you don't even know what you just said. Our world needs a Savior. We need a Savior. We have a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. I don't know that lady. She might find us today. She might hear us because she asked. She said, can I come to your church? You know, like online. So I told her, I gave her an ad. I said, Living Hope DC. But she might find Living Hope MD. So if you're watching, yes, I told them about you. Hello? And our parish is doing well, thank you. Somebody said amen. amen. How, how many of you are doing well? Hello, hello. All right. All right, so this term man of God, like I've heard lessons taught like in a sense, like if you're saved, you're a man of God, and in some, in some ways that's true. But for what I'm preaching today, I'm talking more than just living for God. I'm talking more than just sitting on a chair and clapping your hands or shouting hallelujah. I'm talking about being a specific man of God. Or I want to take it, a people of God. What does God require of a people of God? 
Why does God choose out a people in the earth and call them his own? What is the purpose in all of this? And so for that, I turn your attention to the story of Abram. Now, in this story of Abram, Abram, if you'll notice, he has not yet had that conversion experience, however you want to look at it, right? And uh, it's yet to happen, but God talks to him. He gives him a promise. It's called a prophecy. He tells him, here's what's going to happen. You remember we read it. He said, my people are going to be taken into a strange land, and they're going to be afflicted. And actually, he gives a time of 400 years, and he said to the fourth generation, until the cup of the Amorites is fulfilled. And then I read to you from Deuteronomy 31, where it tells of Moses' accomplishments. Most of those you can read in the book of Numbers. And you will see that even though they had not yet gone into the promised land, they were fighting against the Ites, the Amorites, hello, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Hivites, all the Ites, right? But in the summary of that verse in Deuteronomy 31, he said that he destroyed. That was what God said. Hello? Matter of fact, I was reading, and I wish I could just quote all of this to you so it would make sense to you, but they, it is said that from the day that God gave Abraham that prophecy until the day that the last Amorite king was killed was 430 years to the day because God gave you know, we deal with a God who deals in specifics. There's a point in, you have an appointment with God. You have an appointment with death. God has a, a time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Hello? That's more than a song. He is an on-time God. He has a calendar that he operates by. Jesus will come back. He will come back when God says he will come back. He deals in specifics. And he gave this prophecy that his people would, were, were going to be taken into a land where they would be strangers. And of course, if you read, he talks about the fourth generation, right? So you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Joseph was the fourth generation. Joseph, where did Joseph take the people of God? He took them down to Egypt's land. And in Egypt's land, a portion of that time, they were in slavery. And it, you say, why is this happening? Because God is going to judge the Amorites you see, to be the people of God is to be anointed to fulfill the will of God. God does not have to explain everything to you that God is going to do. When you come to an altar and you surrender your life to God, you become the people of God, the ownership of God. That God can fulfill his will. 
And sometimes we're looking at it from, you know, the specifics. Where do I, Jerry, fit in the will of God? Hello? I'm just telling you, God does not always tell you what he's going to use. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you most of the time. I started to tell you this earlier. When we first came into the church and we were young, we, they sang a lot of songs about, about uh, harvest, about reaching people. Uh, they, they sang old songs, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. They sang, oh, Lord, please use me. Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do. And it was the constant coming to a, a new place with God where the people of God presented themselves to God. I'm yours. I belong to you. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. That's, that's the people of God. But I thought specifically some things that I wanted to say today because I can. My son's not here. <laughs> a few years ago, you know, the preacher that we had last week, Brother Mooney, a few years ago, they had me come to that church and preach, and he had called me on the phone. And, and he and his wife were talking to me. They were laughing. And they said, would you do us a favor? Would you straighten out the church while we're gone? So they gave me two services to straighten out the church, you know, of about whatever, six or 700 people. Straighten them out. And they said, and, and get us more tithes. Get us more tithes. <laughs> so I told the people that when I got up there. I said, your pastor wants me to straighten you out. And your pastor wants more money. <laughs> and we all laughed. Well, my son never said any of that to me. And I'm just going to tell you. I, there have been some things that we have done different this time. You know, I wish that I had been as wise. Not that I'm wise now, but I wish I'd been as wise as I am now 48 years ago. We have started churches in California, Arizona, finally Lexington Park. And when we come here and we still see a few familiar faces, Sister Lawrence and, right, Sister Gray and all of the Bush tribe. Hello. Did you know they sell chicken? I was in Texas and saw it. It said Bush's chicken. I'm kidding, right? But my, there are folks here that we remember. And um, we're so glad that the church not only has See, sometimes if you're not careful, you can only try to survive. That's really some points I want to make, all right? I, this, this is not like probably, this is not going to go down as one of those messages you want to replay in here, okay? But I'm telling you that sometimes in church, people are only trying to survive. If I could just make it another day. Did you know God don't want you just to survive? God don't want you to just to survive. He wants you to be more than a conqueror. Yes, he does. When you come in, when you come to God, some of you were like me. Hello, drug heads. Hello, wasted. Hello, but I'm telling you, Jesus has been good to us. We are living testimonies that he is a good God. We have lived in Sunday school rooms 
We've lived in, I'm, I'm telling you one time, we lived in a mobile home and floated away in a flood. Hello? We know what it is to eat cheese and crackers. We know what it is just to just try to get by. But I want you to know, though you may be there today, it's not God's plan to leave you there. It's not God's plan. You are his people. He plans to raise you up. He plans for you to be a witness to this world that when you come out, you will come out with substance. That felt good. Hallelujah. See, some of you, I remember. Hello, I remember you. I'm not going to tell everybody your name, maybe. So, but I remember you. I remember when you came. But I've watched God do marvelous things in your life. And don't ever forget it. God did it. You didn't do it on your own. You didn't get what you got on your own. If you, if. If God would have left you alone, you would have nothing. You may not even be here anymore. Oh, but when God found us, he began to work in us. We were his people. And the man of God, I, I just got to say some things about the man of God today. Like it's, I got the chance. The pastor's not here. Let me tell you something. Signing up to be a man of God. If any of you are here thinking that's what I want to do. Hello, you might want to reconsider. Some people think it's just standing behind the desk. Having a microphone in your hand and everybody applauding you. Hello. Well, I know this is like 101. Man of God. I, I began to look into. First of all, notice it wasn't Abram. Yes, his name was changed. He became fruitful. God blessed him by so many ways. God blessed him. Blessed him financially. Blessed his wife. Blessed his children. He said he's going to make of them a mighty nation. And he did. Right? But he wasn't a man of God. Not in the sense that I'm talking. It wasn't until we actually come to Deuteronomy 33.1 that we find this man of God, Moses. I want to talk to you about Moses, my Moses, the man of God. Well, 33 is like the end of the story. You know that. There's 33 chapters before that, 32 chapters before that. And in those 32 chapters, you will find what it is to be a man of God. You'll find that being this, are you all with me? Yes, you all hanging with me? I'll do my best, okay, to like, but, but I want you to know, Sometimes if people can only understand this is not just a passing thing. This is not just some building sitting on Chancellor's Run Road or that building on Midway Drive. This is this isn't so much more than that. This is the body of Christ being knit together. The joints being fit together. The cells coming together. God is putting a people together. And that people, in order to become blessed, in order to become fruitful, in order to multiply, must have a man of God. Now, I know nobody here tells your pastor what to do. Hello. I don't even have my glasses on, so you don't have to worry. 
I'm not going to look. I'm just telling you this. You need to pray, God, talk to my pastor. You need to pray, God, lead my pastor. Empower my pastor. Bless my pastor. Because I promise you, you will be blessed if your pastor is blessed. You will have direction when God talks to your pastor. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. And you won't have to fear when God is directing your pastor. You won't have to fear when the enemy comes. Read the story of Moses. He's a pastor. That's the illustration I'm going to use here. He's the man of God. He's called that, but he is a pastor. The word pastor is uh, synonymous with shepherd. He's a shepherd, and he is chosen, hello, by God. Now, the first thing I would say, and there are many things in the list of notes that I have, but the first thing I would say, he had to be called. He had to be called to become, hello, the pastor of those people. Now, his life, my, it was the plan of God. Uh, I'm, now I'm talking about Brother Moses, although I think probably we will see how God's hand is upon somebody. He brings them through things. He, he, events that happen in their life, God has a, a role in them in order to develop the man of God. Now, we don't know yet what all in this story when it starts out. We don't know what Moses is going to become, and we don't know what training is going to be required. But first of all, he is, uh, it's a time, he was born at a time where the king, uh, Pharaoh, had made a decree because he saw so many of his little, uh, I don't mean this racially when I say this, but it's true. It's the way it says it in the scripture. He saw so many little Jews running around that it scared him, and he said, we're going to have to cut the number and so they passed a, a law that all of the males, was it two years under, something like that, had to be killed. And uh, Moses' mother, uh, she, God directed her. That's there's the only way you can say it. She put that handsome little boy in a little basket and floated him down that river right in front of Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter being like a, most young ladies saw that handsome little baby boy and she, her heart was touched and she took that little boy into her arms and she said, oh, I will just take him home and he will be my son. That was part of God's plan because in order to reach the people, he's got to be trained in the land of the people. I feel so much Holy Ghost, I could just come out of my skin right now. God's talking to somebody. Our world would have you think that all preachers are losers. And all preachers, one is your money. And all preachers, let me tell you something. I, I can tell you of times where we had no money. We had nothing. I remember one time, it was Christmas time, and we had no money right here in Lexington Park. We wasn't sure what we was going to do. And my wife went in the bedroom and got on her knees and said, God... 
it's Christmas. I'd like something for my babies. And there came a knock at the door and a lady who lived down the road that we didn't know. She was a Catholic lady, but she was a praying lady. And God spoke to her and she handed my wife $400. I'm telling you, God will take care of his man. He don't have to have your money. He's got a God that's on his side. Our world has done everything it can. Do you understand the voices of darkness are trying to erode confidence in the man of God? I'm going to tell you something. Revival is coming. And the way you trust the man of God in your life will determine how you're able to handle the harvest. If you don't trust the man of God, you won't have a harvest. I think that's where I can drop the mic and leave. Look, I'm not saying wishful thinking. I base it on scriptures of Joel's prophecy. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And it's the spirit. It's not by might nor yet by power, but by my spirit, saith God. They're going to be drawn by the spirit, and they're going to come from every race, every tribe. And right now we are in a time where we're being tested. Can you love everybody, no matter the color of their skin or the language they speak? I know, I know, this is on, hello on internet, it's still the truth, it's still the truth. You're going to have to trust a man that God puts in your life, and you're going to have to believe that he is a man of God. You can't allow voices uh, and people to talk to you about, uh, I know there have been imposters. Did you know there's a place found, I think it's like in Acts 28, the Apostle Paul Close to that. The Apostle Paul is getting ready to go to Jerusalem. And his time is almost over. And he knows it. And, and so the, he's sitting around with uh, the preachers. And uh, they're having a conversation. And he says, you know, uh, the only thing I'm concerned about leaving, he said, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to Jerusalem. I'm ready to lay down my life. That's not what bothers me. What bothers me is that there are wolves among you. Hello, did I say that? There are, hell, you're going to have to trust your pastor, folks. The pathway we're headed down, we have no idea what tomorrow's going to bring. And I don't want anybody to think that I'm suggesting that you don't trust your pastor. I'm just telling you, there's coming a new day. It's going to it's going to challenge us to walk in new ways. It's going to challenge us to do God ideas that we have never thought of before. Yeah. So, and, and you're going to have to learn. If you get around a group of folks, let's see, I got this over here, all right? First of all is the development. You got to understand that a man of God is a man of destiny. It's like, his steps, right, are what? O ordered. Ordered. God orders his steps. God orders it. Now, my wife and I, we could stand up here and tell you stories about our son. 
in his life. We wouldn't tell you just all, he was always good. He wasn't. Hello? <laughs> but God always had his hand on him. That's all I can tell you. God had his hand on him, and he suffered things. There were time, one time some boys came. We were How old was he? About three years old, where we lived at that time. And they took him across the road, and they dug a hole, and they were going to bury him. They did bury were, They threw him in the hole, stripped him of his clothes, and put him in the hole. was going to bury him alive. But thank God, a praying mother, she prayed. See, I think the devil knew something's in this boy's future. Something's in this boy's future. I got to get rid of him before he ever accomplishes his future. Thank God his mother prayed. And when, that, when he came in the house, they had put his clothes on him backwards. And she thought he had been outside, you know, being naughty. And so she was ready to, hello, spank his little tail. But when she began to question him, she found out these boys had offered him candy. And then they were going to bury him alive. Oh, my. And then we had proof of it. The, one of the little boys even told his mother of their plan, what they were going to do. This is we, Hello? We could tell you wonderful things of times when he prayed for people as a child and people were healed. We could tell you of times when he witnessed to his friends, and we could tell you times when he wasn't too good a witness to his friends. But through it all, through it all as we look back over it, God had his hand on him. He, has, he is a child of destiny. God has ordered his steps. I promise you, based upon the word of God, listen, if you took the promise that was made to Abram and you fast forwarded, like, right? Every detail of it was fulfilled. That's what I'm telling you. God is faithful to his word. You, you hear me? God is faithful to his word. He will do what he said he will do. And, and if you're thinking about, I'm just throwing this out there. Like, well, let me just tell you, don't think about it. <laughs> if I lost you, I'm just telling you, stay, stay with the man of God that God has appointed in your life. Now, Moses, he, like, he had some folks who, like, I, I got to go down here. N the next thing, it was, Moses didn't always make the best choices. He murdered a couple of guys. <laughs> you would think that would disqualify him, right? Now, I'm going to tell you something. There are people here today. I told you I was recruiting. There are people here today that the spirit of God, the hand of God is upon you. It, but I don't want you to take this lightly. I want you to know it's going to challenge you to make sacrifices that others will not be asked to make. It's not because God thinks you're all that. It's because God has to know he can trust you. God has to know that no matter what he asks of you to do, you're going to be his man. You're going to be his woman. He will add things to your life, and he will take things out of your life. And you may wonder why. Pretty good chance you will. You may even say to God, I don't understand this. And God may seem to be silent. 
He may not give you the understanding of why, what's going on. But just stay at the altar. Just stay at the altar. Stay in that place of prayer. Okay, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. And if you have failed, you know, if you murdered somebody, there's a lot. Oh, I, I, I will go off on it, and I just can't. I'm just telling you. If you have failed, I want you to know God has provided a way to cover your failures. It's the powerful blood of Jesus Christ. He can cover all of your past. You hear me? Our world is going to need people who come from every kind of background. He's going to need people who come out of prisons. He's going to need people who come out of divorces. He's going to need people, hello, who come out of alternative lifestyles. He's going to need people of every language, every color. He's going to need people from every walk of life. Because God is planning on a big thing. And in order to have a big thing, he's got to have a man of God who thinks big. Oh, you know, I feel his presence right now. Would you just, would you just, you can stay right, right where you're at. I won't be much longer, I promise you. But would you just lift a hand to God and say, God, I, I want to think big. I, I want to follow my pastor. Listen, God will choose you. He'll mold you. Oh, yes, he will. And pray right now. Pray, Lord, here I am. Let your blood cover me. Let your blood cover my past. Let your name, oh God, let your name cover me. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to go. Tell him, tell him. Look, I can say it for you, but you got to say it to him. Here I am. Here I am. All of my successes, all of my failures, all the good, all the bad. Here I am. And listen, this is no short journey. Because now Moses, after being in Pharaoh's house and now, he murdered a couple of men. He, he flees to Midian. And there, he spends 40 years, 40 years, not four years, 40 years, learning how to take care of sheep. Why are you doing this? Because my people are like sheep. And this man, he, he can't do it. He's used to living in the palace and hanging out with pharaohs. He can't handle this. He's got to smell like sheep. And so Moses spent 40 years. And Moses had problems because he married a wife. He became, they became an interracial couple. Hello, for all you that thought this was new, this ain't new. There's nothing that shocks God. There's no new thing under the sun. Moses, some of his greatest challenges came from even his own brother and sister because he was in interracial marriage. Don't get too quiet on me. I'm telling you the truth. It's in the scripture. But God said, I'm going to have me a people in spite of it. 
I'm going to have me a people anyway. And they're going to love one another in spite of it. They're going to love one another no matter what's going on in the world. And when they come out, they're going to be, I'm going to give them substance. Do you need me to translate that for you? Hello. He said, I'm going to make them better off when they come out than they was when they went in. Yes. Yes. Listen, if you're here today and, and like you're struggling with some of the, like not just this service, I understand struggling, hello, but, but I mean like this church is awesome. I come here, I hear the singing, Lord Jesus, we play a guitar and sing a cappella. We can't even sing on tune sometimes. But I'm going to tell you about God. He could move anyway. When we first went to D.C., uh, Rachel helped us a bit. But before that, when we first met in that room, when you go to 101 church planting, the things they teach you, we didn't do. We didn't do. We, we moved into this room. The colors were ugly. The wallpaper was peeling off the walls. Sometimes had no heat, sometimes no air conditioning, and, and none of the chairs even matched. But I remember, oh, Lord, I saw, it was the most exciting thing happened in my life when that little Sri Lankan girl, first, first time there, raised her hands, and God baptized her with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah. And we play music. <laughs> we didn't play no music. So we got a boom box. I don't even know if they call them that anymore. It's a box that goes boom. But we... <laughs> And we, we set that thing down, and we would put in music, and we would sing with the music on the boom box. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, my, my. We would worship, and I would be so excited. Let me tell you something, folks. You're living right now in luxury. Lord, look at this building. Did anybody remember where we came from? Jesus, help us. This is luxury. And you got my a thousand musicians. Give, give me, play a little something. Like, yeah, really, really. Give me. Oh. oh, can you feel that? Listen, can you feel that? Play a little bit. I feel Jesus here. We've been blessed. I'm glad you're blessed. I'm not envy you. I don't have jealousies here. I'm so glad to be able to come here and people worship and I can feel his presence. You know why? Because you got a man of God who's staying true to the word of God. He's leading you. He's leading this church down a pathway. I don't even know if we can imagine I stood in his office last week and I looked at that drawing, you know, and I think it'll be about right here somewhere in the second phase. Am I right? I, oh, I could feel it coming. You're going to impact this county. I had that promise a long time ago, not quite 400 years ago, but I had that promise a long time ago that God was going to impact this county. He was going to call people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Don't 
give up now, church. Don't give up now, people of God. Listen, I, I got, thank you. They'll need some more. Just a minute. Don't you can stop right there for a second. I just want to say this. The thing that it took, what made the difference was the call. The call of God. You remember Moses at the burning bush? It changed him. I mean, God had to tell him, you're going to do this. And he was like arguing with God. But ultimately, he began, right? And miracles happen. Why? To deliver people from Egypt. Don't you know that's what God does? He sets the man of God. God up, puts a call on his life, and the man of God goes to prayer and tells old Pharaoh, let my people go. And people of God don't understand. There are miracles that are happening. Sometimes they look like, oh, Lord, we're in trouble. There was 10 of them because Moses, the man of God, was at war with the prince of darkness. The gods of Egypt were at war with the man of God because the enemy understands if he can defeat the man of God, the sheep will be scattered. Oh, but what happened? The man of God. Now, listen, I, I, I want to read this because there were four particular times this happened that the, the mission was for Moses uh, to lead the people. There was four grumblings against God and against Moses that happened. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. I'm just going to say this. Listen, don't let, look, are, do, do things happen? You better believe it. Sometimes we, we're, isn't it a miracle that God uses people, Period. That's a miracle, my Lord. When I think of where I was and he'd come, get, I promise you, you wouldn't have liked me. You wouldn't have wanted to have been around me. My mouth was filthy. My heart was filthy. My mind was filthy. My life was a mess. I was a wasted. I didn't see any hope for me. But God. Hello. Hello. But God. God showed up. And you may be looking around wondering if there's any hope. i got to bring it to a conclusion. Time is running out. I know that. But I promise you I'm here to recruit you today. Number one, the man of God. The man of God is made stronger by the people of God. When the people of God surrender themselves to the will of God, the man of God gains renewed. I feel the Holy Ghost gains renewed energy, strength, Vision, power. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right, that's all free. I'll collect from the man of God. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm going to stop here. You can play some music. Help me with the mood. Look, there are people here today that God is calling you. I wish I could tell you it's going to be easy. It's not. Anybody here ever had the devil remind you of your past? Oh, Jesus. I was walking through Safeway, I don't know, about a month ago. And I happened to go down that aisle. Hello? Where the booze is? Hello? Alcohol? 
It started talking to me. Yo, you remember me? Boone's Farm. Hello. <laughs> I know I'm talking to people here. That voices, voices of darkness are trying to keep us from becoming what God has ordained us to become. You're more than a conqueror. I don't know what you're going to be, but I know in the mind of God, man, you're going to tear down strongholds. You're going to defeat giants. I'm talking about you. God's got his hand on you. We sometimes look at the church and think it's, you know, well, just us. And we gather here every week and we just do this. But that's not true. That's not true. God saw us, my sister, when we were nothing. And he began to draw us. I got a plan for you. I got a plan for you. My hand is upon you. But you, you got to believe it. If you don't believe it, it's nothing. You, it's got to be more than just, well, a thought. Yeah, well. No, you got to become convinced of it. Oh, my God, this is us. This is us. This is our opportunity. This is our generation. This is our world. This is our time, our moment. So I will say yes. I will say yes. I will say yes. I will say yes, Lord. I will do my best to rescue the perishing. You know, I stand in, I, I can't even explain it to you. But when I see these people come, they've never, they never even heard the name of Jesus as a gospel. And then I see him come. It's amazing. How many of you understand? I did, people say, look what you did. I didn't do nothing. I just obeyed God. That's honest truth. I mean, come on. If he can use me, surely you can believe he can use you. It's not like you got to get it all together. You just got to make your way to an altar somewhere and say, yes, God. Yes, God. I'll do it, God. I'll witness to someone this week. I'll tell someone about Jesus today. I'll not wait until tomorrow for that may never come. I'll tell someone about Jesus today. Would you stand with me? I wish I knew what kind of a, an appeal to make. I guess I'm just saying right there where you're at. If you lift your, close your eyes and look at God through your spirit and just say, God, is it true? Can you use me? Oh, God, I want it to be true. I want to be your vessel. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.